What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. If you have not done so already, follow us on Primal Baseball, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We got a, a lot of new podcasts coming out, some blogs, and some good stuff for you guys in the next couple months. Today, I have another guest. I have Weston Lombard from... I'm, I'm from Minnesota, uh, Stillwater, Minnesota, and then I went to Gustavus Adolphus College, which I'm sure everyone on this podcast has heard of. It's a little D3 in Minnesota and um, just graduated from University of San Francisco. So, Yeah, so Weston was a D3 to D1 guy, um, similar to myself, and he is now a professional pitcher on the New York Boulders, and he's a lefty. Um, so we're going to we're going to try to get some information and, and some knowledge from Weston today. And we're really glad to have him on the podcast. So Weston, I'll let you, I'll let you go kind of deeper into who you are. Um, you know, being from, from Minnesota, that's not a huge state that's known for baseball. So yeah, you can just give us a little background about who you are and, and kind of your baseball journey throughout high school. And then, and then what led you to, to D3? Yeah, uh, I. It's funny you say. You know, Minnesota's not really known for baseball. We're we're known for hockey. And for me, honestly, growing up, like I was a I was a hockey player that played baseball. You know, like I I don't really feel like I have a whole lot of a baseball story. You know, until I got to college, it was something that I you know grew up playing and you know started playing wiffle ball when I was a little kid against my brother and stuff like that. And then you know eventually did like local travel ball, but I never really got into, you know, like club baseball and like that high level stuff. And so it was something that I would play when the summer came around. But when I was doing that, I was still training for hockey most of the time. So I'd train for hockey and then show up for a, you know, summer ball game or something like that. And then high school came around and I almost golfed instead of played baseball my freshman year of high school. Um, So you can kind of, you can kind of see where, where my priorities were with, with sports and stuff like that, where baseball was a sport that I just played. It wasn't something that I was um, super like, you know, it wasn't the thing that I wanted to take to the next level. That was, that was hockey for me. And uh, once we got to high school, we ended up playing baseball and I went to a really small high school. And so I, the stars kind of aligned where I got lucky enough to, to be able to play uh, as a freshman on the varsity team. We weren't good uh, by any means where, you know, you see these high school kids now and uh, the, the, the talent is just way higher than it was when I was playing. Um, and so I played in the spring and then trained for hockey in the summer and then played hockey in the, in the fall and then had hockey in the winter. And then it was time for baseball in the spring again. So that was kind of where we were at throughout high school. And so for me, my goal was to was to go play hockey in college and um, from like an academic standpoint, like I wanted to go play at like an Ivy League and most of the time, you know, you need like certain test scores and stuff like that. And, um, you know, for hockey, it's like the, the bar is a little bit lower, I think, with uh, with having to have high scores and stuff like that to get into these schools. And so after I took all like the ACT, SAT stuff, I was like, okay, like if I, if I go play juniors or something like that and, and play well, like I might have a shot at, at getting into that. And, um, but like the more realistic ones were D3s in Minnesota um, that I was looking at. And by the end of my junior year, those schools that I was planning on trying to play hockey for um, started recruiting me for baseball kind of out of nowhere. Um, I went to one showcase it was like a hundred bucks and it was pretty much just well get your velo come coming out of the outfield um and then you can hit batting practice and then we'll scrimmage and we'll get your pitching velo and i did that and started getting recruited for baseball and kind of got to the point where i was like okay i could play two three years of juniors to go play d3 hockey or i could be you know an 18 year old going into college and and go play baseball (laughs) I was like, well, I mean, I really like baseball, so we might as well give that a shot. So um, I ended up committing to Gustavus for baseball, but still with the uh, with the plan to be trying out for hockey too um, with their coach and stuff. And so uh, my freshman year, 
I ended up at Gustavus, played fall ball, but also did the hockey thing in the fall and then tried out and ended up playing both baseball and hockey uh, my freshman year. And, and neither of them went particularly well. Um, but that's kind of how I got into baseball, honestly, was I planned on playing hockey and then was like, oh, like I could play baseball at these schools and not have to, you know, play two, three years of juniors. Um, so I guess we'll give baseball a shot in college. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I actually didn't know, like I didn't know your story, didn't know that that you were planning to play hockey. And one of the questions I was going to bring up today was just, you know, your, your high school background as far as sports went. And, you know, to me, playing multiple sports really gives you an advantage, not only physically because you're just a better athlete and know how to move your body better, but also mentally you just know how to connect with your teammates or, or know how to get through, you know, failures. And there's different challenges that arise with different sports. I actually played, um, it's funny being from Minnesota is like a bigger Vermont in my mind. Like it's a Midwest Vermont. Vermont's a very, very small state, but, um, both have, both have farmlands and stuff like that. And I actually, I live on a farm in Vermont. So, um, same, like not exact same story as you, but I played hockey and soccer in high school and I, and I thought I was nasty at hockey. I thought I was going to be like playing college hockey and I just like, you know, love baseball when the season was there, but, um, no colleges ever recruited me for hockey. So I guess I wasn't as good as I, th I thought I was. And the same, like literally the same exact thing, like you were saying is, um, we weren't great at baseball. Like I, I just played freshman year and, and, and Vermont, you know, we had 11 kids on our team. Like we barely had enough to field a team. And I went to one showcase for $25 in Vermont and it was get your velo like off the mound. Right. And, and that's where I, where I got all my recruiting letters. I wasn't as good at hockey as you were. So there was no, maybe I'll play hockey in college after junior year. It was like, all right, I'm going to play baseball. I'm just not sure where yet. Um, so yeah, that's really cool. And, and I think, you know, having your background and maybe you can talk a little bit more on this, but having that hockey background, how did that play into, you know, you being able to progress in baseball, but you also just being, you know, what, what qualities did hockey have that helped you progress in baseball because of your athletic background? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's some physical and some kind of mental stuff that you can tie to it. I think from a, from a mental side, I think like I was a defenseman and like hockey was a really big deal in Minnesota. And so like we, we ended up making it to the state tournament for the first time. Uh, in like our school history pretty much. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Minnesota high school state tournament at where the wild play, but place fills up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We watch it where you're playing in front of. Yeah. We watch it on uh, like, I mean, you guys are like the professionals of, of high school hockey and in Vermont, we would always watch the, the Minnesota, like 2021 or 2020 or not 2019, like hype up video where it's, where it's at Minnesota wild oh. and it's just those highlight videos. So yeah, that's, that's sweet. Yeah. It, it was really cool, but yeah, you're, I mean, you're playing in front of 10,000 people. Right. And that was an experience that I had never, you know, been, a, I mean, not what high school player in any sport is playing in front of 10,000 people normally. Right. Like it's that in like Texas football. Right. But overall, like as a defenseman, it's like most of the time, you know, you're in, weird bad situations with you know scrums in front of the net and like you're on the penalty kill things like that and like there's just chaos all around you and it's kind of your job to be able to kind of quarterback the defensive zone and be like all right we're not going to freak out like we're going to be in the right positions we're going to get the puck we're either going to you know get it out we're going to you know make a good breakout pass things like that like you kind of just had to adapt to what the job was for that 30 second shift and just get it done. And I think that just doing that all the time really helped me with simplifying pitching, especially when uh, I got into like jams and stuff like that. Really, I just was able to kind of keep it simple and, and just be like, okay, well, what's the objective at hand right now? And it's, you know, strike this guy out or it's, all right, we got to get, you know, a double play ball here or something like that where, like mentally, it really helped me out with just keeping stuff simple and like 
seeing what the task at hand was in that moment and not trying to do too much at once. Um, sometimes it was just like I had on my hat, like high off the glass because <laughs> sometimes as a, as a defenseman, like that's all you can do or that's, that's what you need to do and you just keep it simple. But um, physically, I mean, I, uh, I had no hops coming into college as a hockey player. Like I had like a negative vertical jump. It was like 15 inches, but my legs were like tree trunks compared to a lot of my teammates where I think I had a, a a lot more developed lower half and, and kind of core base than a lot of other guys. Not because I was, you know, squatting a bunch and things like that in high school, but just the, the physical movement of hockey, um, requires a lot of consistent, like, lower half usage and, and a lot of quick twitch stuff too, honestly, when you think about starting and stopping and stuff like that. And so, um, I, I had learned how to use my legs, um, pretty quickly where I'd never really had arm problems, um, growing up or into college when a lot of people, like, especially that first, like fall and spring for a freshman, like I remember I was like, I've never thrown more than like three days in a week. You know, and now now I'm expected to throw five, six days a week. Yep. And I'm not only, you know, yep. play catch, but it's, you know, you got a bullpen this day and then two days off and you're thrown in a game where I had never really used my arm. Uh, I had always just kind of thrown with my legs, you know what they say. And uh, I think it I think it helped me, you know, just kind of stay out of arm trouble. I don't think it was the best for my athletic performance per se, to start with, with that mindset of like only throwing with your legs, but it was like how I threw when I got to college. And so I think it kind of helped me stay healthy compared to a lot of other guys. That's really interesting. I, I never even like connected, connected the two with, with hockey being so lower half. And like, I never really lifted in high school either. Like it wasn't like I was, was squatting a lot, but my legs were definitely big. Like they were bigger than most kids. And, and I never really connected the dots that it was just from me playing hockey and, and me, you know, being on the ice every day, especially like the, the lateral movement, like the side to side. And then all of a sudden you step on a right. mound and, and now it feels normal. Like, like literally in the training at, at Northeastern, some of the exercises we did was we get on that slide board and we would push off side to side. Like he literally called them yep. skaters. So we were literally training how we and I, we, that's what I did every day. Like that was just skating without, without even knowing it, we were training, like you and I were training baseball movements just without, without doing anything with, with enjoying a different sport. So that's, that's a really cool aspect and, and, and takeaway to, to yeah. bring into that. Um, yeah. I mean, I never felt. You can think about the forearms too. Think about like how often you're using your stick shooting stuff like that. Like it was your legs and it was your forearms. And it's like, yeah. if I could pick two things that have like pretty strong as a pitcher, like it'd probably be strong legs and strong forearms. So. Training rotation and your hips are, your hips are staying pretty stationary while you're rotating the upper half. So it's literally like, I'm just connecting the dots here, but that's, that's actually crazy that you're training for something while not even thinking about training for it. But yeah, I, again, just like you never really had arm problems in high school, um, would just come into the season and, and be like, okay, like, uh, I feel great because I wasn't throwing and, and the volume was down. And then my, my, my legs were, were great. And my arm was just along for the ride. And, and I know you talked about a little bit about your, you know, right. your struggle, your first year with playing hockey and baseball and how you struggled in both. I was just curious more of, you know, what the biggest struggle changing to college baseball was was for you and then maybe you could talk about how you got out of that struggle throughout your whole um d3 career yeah i think i mean for me like i it it just wasn't something that i had been preparing for to be honest you know what i mean like i i never really took baseball from like a training standpoint or anything like that seriously i always worked really hard you know during practice and things like that but it wasn't it wasn't like a level jump that I had been prepared for where, you know, a lot of these kids through high school, they're playing club ball where even if you're, you know, from a small town or you went to a small school and you're playing low level high school in the summer, 
you know, you're playing, you know, as high of a level as, as you can in club ball, where by the time you go to college, you've been playing against the best players in the state and stuff like that pretty consistently, where for me, it's like I played high school baseball in the second smallest class of, of the state. And I played three years of Legion baseball. Like, so like the, the level of play wasn't very high where like, even when I was doing well, it was relative to that talent level. And especially as a pitcher, like by the time I graduated, I was throwing like 78, but even then, like I was one of the harder throwers when like relative to a lot of the other guys I was facing. And then when you show up to college and it's like, well, that's nothing you know, like it's, it's just a, it's just a talent jump. And so for me, just getting used to like facing a lot better players was something that I wasn't used to. And quite frankly, like just pitching consistently to batters and stuff like that was something that I wasn't very used to either, where I was just super raw and undeveloped by the time that first season came where I had some really bright spots um, where I was like, man, like this was really easy. Like this is, this is fun. Like I can be pretty good. And some other times where I was like, I just didn't throw any strikes. And it was literally like a, I wasn't, I don't remember being in my head or anything like that. Like I literally just physically like was not consistent enough to yeah. throw strikes consistently. Like I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about, you know, you're, you weren't experienced going in like it was a total it seemed like a totally different game with with pitching you know multiple times per week or throwing more and and everyone you know is better coming from kind of like a, a small town where you were the best dude I, I kind of had a similar experience where it kind of just punched me in the face like I, I had no I, it seemed like I wasn't playing baseball anymore it was like this different game where I was where I was just confused and didn't understand what to do or or how to get get any better could you could mm-hmm. you touch on maybe for the kids who have you know less resources in minnesota or vermont um could you touch on how you overcame not having as many resources and were able to still succeed yeah for me i think you know my my like player development story didn't really start till COVID hit honestly which was our junior year so we were in tucson for our spring training trip and in March and we played a game, the second one got rained out and then we got sent home and we got sent home, home, you know, like we left our college and everyone was locked down and I was getting better as a player, but like I was, I felt like I was kind of spinning my wheels for, for a year or so where, you know, I was, I was getting stronger and stuff like that. So I started to throw a little harder, but uh, nothing really had like clicked, clicked. And so spent a week, you know, locked down in my house and gave me a lot of time to think about like what I wanted to do. And, you know, I was a, I was a big like accounting finance investment guy in college. And so like, I didn't know if I wanted to really like lock in for like, I'm going to be a really good baseball player, like, or I'm going to, you know, try to make a bunch of money by the time I graduate. And, um, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm left-handed we found out we were going to get an extra year of eligibility. And I was like, and like, I probably could throw harder than I do right now. So like, let's, let's just commit however long this COVID thing lasts to, to getting as good as I can. And then we'll see what happens from there. And so that was really when I started doing like my deep dive on, on pitching development. And so I was Googling everything. Um, but it kind of shifted from, you know, YouTubing, you know, how to throw harder. And it shifted from that to, to more looking at like how training programs work and like how to structure a throwing day to like get better, like over the week. Right. Instead of just like doing, you know, three, these three drills are going to make you throw harder. Um, so I tried to really look at it from like a holistic standpoint so that I could, I could understand the whys behind what these people were saying. Cause I, I was always someone where I was a why kid. Like if someone told me something and I'd be like, well, like, why is it that way? And like, I was just really curious. And so like, I really wanted to understand the why behind everything. So that then when I was doing stuff, I knew why I was doing it. And then I could, you know, apply better, you know, intent behind it instead of just blindly doing something. 
And so I spent like a month doing that. Um, and then I felt like I had a pretty good plan of what it was going to take for me to throw harder. And like, I think from a, a resources standpoint, like, you know, you go to like power five or something like that. Like most of the time, like your whole day is planned out for you. Right. Like, it's like you have lift here, you have throwing here, your throwing's planned out. Here's your throwing drills. Here's, you're going to go into the lab today for your bullpen. Like you have all this stuff. I didn't have that. And that stuff's really nice, but I, I also don't think you necessarily need it where if you do your own research, figure out what is what you need specifically, and then do your plan around that, then, you know, then it's kind of on you, right? And you can figure out how you can structure what you're going to be working on with the resources you have available to you. So like, like we didn't have a dome or anything like that. We had a, a gym, like a base, like a basketball court gym, but it allowed for, you know, 120 feet of throwing with, you know, a net up to the ceiling. So like you could long toss into the net and stuff like that. And so based off of that type of stuff, um, you know, I, I basically did a lot of, a lot of throwing, <laughs> but like just with a little bit more intent behind it of like, okay, what do I actually need to work on? I did a lot of med ball stuff and then I just like lifted my butt off for like a yep. year. Um, yep. ended up putting on like six miles an hour in a, over that course of the year where by the time senior year came around, like I was like upper 80s yeah. like almost touching 90 which from the left in my conference yeah. was like pretty hard back in the day you know like it's crazy now I went back for my alumni game and you know we had like four dudes bumping 90 plus and it's like there's like one guy in the conference that did that when I was playing um but yeah I think like like the internet is such a, a it's an interesting concept right because it's there's so much, there's good and there's bad stuff on it. Like you have to kind of sift through stuff. But I think if you really want to like figure out how to get better, like you can do it on your own if you want. It's easier if you have a coach or something like that, you have those resources. But I just kind of did it on my own and figured out what I needed and just kind of went balls to the wall for a year. And, you know, I didn't really have anything to lose. And so like there wasn't this like pressure put on me. It was sort of just like a, a year long game where I was just like, how good can I get? And it became really fun. And, um, yeah, year, year went by and, and I was, I was a completely different pitcher and person, honestly. Looking for the easy fix. Like you said, you can Google how to throw harder and you'll get like those three things and, and it's everywhere around us, not just YouTube, but Instagram too. There's always right. Oh, do this drill and you'll, you'll throw a mile an hour harder, but it's, it's, it may be for like some guys it'll click like that. Like, yeah, maybe their mechanics are awful and they're strong and they're fast. And then all of a sudden they do one thing and it, they bump up five miles an hour. But for the, for the majority of us, it's going to be a slower, um, slower process. So, so getting to, to why you're doing it and then sticking with it for longer periods of time, usually the results come, come, slower but it but it is worth it uh and and yeah i'm just curious of how how you you know went from d3 to d1 and how that opportunity arose and 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 what maybe the differences you saw in d1 yeah for me um like i said like by the time by the time my senior year came around i knew that i had put in more work than the way I, I like to think about it was by the time senior year came, like that first game, that first batter, I was able to look like 60 feet, six inches away from me at the guy in the box. And I was just thinking like, I worked so much harder than you for the past year. I'm so much more prepared for this moment than you. Like you guys are all effed. And so for me, there was like the physical component of like yeah I got bigger faster stronger I threw the ball harder and like I threw more strikes but really it was it was a it was a mentality thing for me that changed my senior year where I just knew that I had done a lot more than than everyone else and so I felt like I kind of earned my confidence if that makes sense where everyone says you know you got to be confident up there like you got to think you're the best guy on the mound or you're the best guy in the field and like that's how you succeed but you know, that's a lot easier said than done, in my opinion, where like you can try to fake it, but 
like in like internally like faking confidence like didn't work for me you know like it would be like okay like i can show like i can have my chest out and like think and like make people think that i'm like confident but like if you're not actually confident in yourself like what is that going to actually do you might like portray something out there to the other team but that that doesn't help you actually execute your plan and so for me it was a mentality shift and like i was like a i think it was like a four something like that era my freshman year it's like a six or seven my sophomore year and then like my senior year I, like i ended up like just it was i had a lot of fun pitching yeah. i guess yeah. like by like by by the second half of the season i wasn't thinking like am i gonna do well or am i gonna are we gonna win i was thinking like how many strikeouts am i gonna have today <laughs> like it was a, it was a completely different mindset and I mean, obviously it's a lot more fun when you're doing well, but it really was a mentality shift for me where I, I had put in so much work in the off season that by the time the season came, like I knew that I had done everything that I could have possibly done to prepare for that season. So like there was no pressure and like I had like a job lined up like in accounting. And so like I knew if things didn't work out, like I had a job, so that was fine. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a, like I have to do well. Um, and some people, you know, like the kind of the burn the ships mentality. And like, I kind of had that, but it like, I didn't really have that, but I had to kind of convince myself, like, like if you don't do that, like if you don't do well, like you have to go be an accountant. And like, that was enough for me to, <laughs> to have motivation. Yep. Um, but yeah, really it was, it was a mentality and then, and then physicality, um, and just having fun competing out there and, um, like statistically, um, I did well enough where when I threw my name in the portal, I did it in like early February though, cause I knew I was graduating and we didn't have grad school or anything like that. So my coach was super supportive of me being in the portal and was like, help me out with like, if coaches asked and stuff like that. But I knew that coming from a D3 that once the summer came, it was going to be the wild, wild west in the transfer portal. And I was going to have no leverage. So my goal is to commit before the summer started. And yeah, I, I went through the year, had a good year, um, got some interest kind of by like mid, late March. And um, in mid April, I ended up throwing a, a nine inning no hitter, which was really cool and ended up committing like the next yeah. day which is cool. I got my, basically like I was, my thing was I'm going to go to the place that wants me the most. And the, and USF had been, you know, good in the recruiting and I threw the no hitter and they sent me an offer the next day. And I was like, perfect, let's yeah. do it. Like I wasn't wasting any time. Yep. Getting to USF, what were the biggest differences that you saw in the D one game from the D three game? I think in the game aspect, like, there were a few more like physical guys, you know, like people could hit the ball a little farther, throw it a little harder. Um, and just a little more like physically mature, especially like the incoming freshmen were more physically mature than the incoming freshmen at, at my school. But I don't think the, like the average level of play was, was that much different, you know, like the best guys were better and like the middle guys were like a little better, but like, at my school, there were there were multiple guys that I played with at at Gustavus that you know, after playing two full years at the Division One level, that could definitely not only play but like contribute significantly at that level. Where it, I think it just kind of comes down to like these people developed into better baseball players earlier, and so like their floor is just higher, right? But like, yeah. and then some of them are just you know, physical genetic freaks. And so like those guys' ceilings are a lot higher, but then that kind of middle area, like really just comes down to like, were you good at the right time in front of the right person or not? Or like, were you developed enough at the right time in front of the right person? And so that's kind of where, like, I think the middle ground, there isn't a whole lot of difference, but you know, at the end of the day, it all just comes down to like your execution. Same with pitching. Like there's multiple dudes that are at the D3 level right now that could go pitch at D1 and do well, you know, and they wouldn't have to change a single thing. Yeah, I, th I think there's 
not as big of a gap as people think in, in D3 to, to D1. And there's a lot of players in D3 that um, could play D1. And now we're seeing it with the transfer portal. Just more kids are, are able to now go to D1 and show that they can, you know, do what they what they do. Um, maybe they just developed a little bit later, junior, senior year, instead of freshman and sophomore right. year. Um, but they also were able to play three years or four years of D1, D3 and then um, go and play at D1 instead of having to maybe have that sophomore and freshman year where you might be on the fence of playing and stuff. Um, one thing that got me thinking, I, I think you commented on my Instagram post a couple weeks ago, but I just wanted to, to talk about it. And it was it was a post regarding like, if it if it doesn't work like discard it and that's kind of going towards what we were talking about uh um with all these drills on instagram and and all these things like if we even if we go to a coach right and and for us i'm not sure how your d3 pitching coach was we didn't really have one at babson uh we, we had, so um you know just being able to take like the process of being able to take drills in or take information in and then if it doesn't feel right, it doesn't work, like allow, allow it to be discarded, not, not keep it because somebody said like having your own creative spin on it. Um, I just kind of want, want you to talk a little bit about that and maybe, you know, why sometimes it's, it's helpful to just stop being a pitcher and, and just be an athlete and throw. Absolutely. Uh, I think like my kind of development story, like really encompasses that where I was always a really coachable kid. And so uh, I could follow directions really well of, um, you know, put your body here, do this with your leg and things like that. So as I went through kind of my like personal development journey of like trying to get really good myself, like it, it got to the point where I think me being coachable allowed me to make jumps really quickly. And that like got me to like being really good my senior year. But then... I like kept going down that rabbit hole and kept trying to know everything and kept trying to like get really good at X, Y, Z. And then I started going too far down the rabbit hole of, of like mechanics and things like that to the point where I think I, I kind of coached myself out of my athleticism and try to, and tried to be too much of a pitcher. Right. And, but I just kept going with trying to understand everything and it kind of went from, you know, when I was in high school, I was like, all right, just pick it up and, you know, throw it hard and be an athlete. And then I learned everything and like my performance went up. And then I started learning too much or like trying to understand things too much. And I became less of an athlete. And then now that I've kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel, like I went through the rabbit hole. And now like the enlightenment for me is like just pick the ball up and be an athlete and, and throw it where, um, you know, I don't think everyone has to go through that, but for me, like, I'm glad that I did because I've kind of been able to see the whole story of like how pitchers think. Right. And so now like when I yep. work with some other people and stuff like that, you kind of just got to find where they are on that spectrum. And then that's, that's kind of how you communicate with them where like for me, like now, like I have like a true off season for the first time. Like with college, like you really yeah. don't like it's spring ball to summer ball to fall ball. And in California, our fall ball didn't end till almost Thanksgiving. And then, and then we start playing games in February. So it's like, it's no off season, but now that I have a true off season, like I can really spend some time on kind of building myself again. But this time it's way more fun because it's less mechanic. Like I, I've been throwing a baseball now like for a long time and now we've gotten to the point where it's like we're throwing it at a higher level and so like a lot of it isn't like the big things in mechanics it's just like little tweaks right like tweak here a tweak here yeah. like the overall like throwing a baseball like you get pretty good at when you do it for a long time and anyone that's thrown at the college level or beyond is good at throwing a baseball like or they're really physical, like they're bad at throwing a baseball, but they're really physical. Um, and so it's been really fun to throw now because I'm like, okay, I don't need to worry a whole lot about mechanics. I have a couple of things I want to work on, but like now, like let's focus on being like 
as good of an athlete as possible. Like let's focus on moving as smooth and as fast and as easy as possible. And it's crazy how, when you have that emphasis, how, how much quicker things click when you have that versus like, Oh, where is my elbow at, you know, peak leg lift. And, you know, is my back hip rotating the necessary amount? Like it's less about that. And now it's more external cues being athletic and, and it's, it's been really fun. Yeah. And that like brings us exactly into what I wanted to, to ask you about, which was quote unquote feels like I, I, you know, in, in, in following you and, and interacting and learning from your content that you provide, a lot of the stuff you do is, is like, Oh, I'm going to create this feel. I'm going to create this feel. And, and I just want, you know, you to go maybe more deeper into the process of, okay, like, how do we, how do we know we need this feel? And then how can we create that feel? Because I'm sure there's, you know, kids that follow your, your page and follow your content and your, and, and you know that you need to, to feel like the slingshot in your, in your chest and feel the chest or the pec stretch to be able to slingshot the ball forward. But you know, how do they know that, um, they need to create that feel? Yeah, that's, that's a, such a good question because I think the concept of, you know, feels is so individual that, you know, you shouldn't necessarily take what my feel is as gospel and be like, oh, that's what I need to feel, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where, like, with my content, like, I'm not necessarily, rare. actually, rarely am I ever, like, prescribing something to someone that's looking at it. Like, what I'm trying to do with, with my content is, is, is paint the picture of, like, here's, here's how I'm going about my stuff. And like, here's what I'm thinking about. And here's like, what's working for me or what's not working for me. And so, yeah, like from a feels standpoint, like that's where you got to figure out like what feels good for you. Cause like the slingshot feel for me works because like I'm, I have a really mobile upper half. So like, I like to leverage that rubber band feeling. Right. But if, if I were to tell, you know, my six foot two, 240, tight as a rock, but really strong and throws hard. If I were to tell him, yeah, just feel this big, long rubber band stretch and like let it whip through, it just wouldn't work because like that's not how his body works. And so I think it's just an exploratory thing of like when you're throwing really hard, like what does it feel like, you know? And like for me, like it literally just feels like like a really simple, just like I'm stretching this rubber band or this slingshot and and I'm creating all this tension through just being loose and getting into deeper ranges and then I'm, I'm letting it go and it's, and it's going forward. But someone that's a little more tighter wound or something like that, they're not going to have that feeling, but they have to find what that is and then do things that kind of help you get that feel. And I think going back to like the, the rabbit hole, I think you can kind of fall in love with always doing feels right of like, okay, this feels good and stuff like that. Like, whether it's like without a ball or if it's just like with a towel or something like that, where you're, you're just like feeling stuff out. That was something that I did a lot, um, especially when I was really in the mechanic stuff. And now it's like, okay, the feels are good, but like we need to make the feel translate to like the real, like, which is throwing a baseball and specifically like throwing off the mound. And so I used to spend all this time going down the mound, doing dry rep after dry rep after dry rep. And I'd do it for like 20 minutes. And then I'd be like, okay, good job. Let's leave. And now it's like, okay, I look at my dry rep videos and it's like, man, like I probably throw a hundred there with a baseball. And then I throw a baseball and it's not the same. It doesn't look the same, right? Because I haven't put the time in to actually translate it. And so now everything that I do from a feel standpoint, if I, like if it's at the beginning, like we're blending that up to throwing off the mound, even if it's a lower intent day or, you know, we're not necessarily trying to throw it hard per se. Those feels have to translate to the real thing. Like, and that's something that I've really prioritized the last like probably like eight, nine months is like making the main thing, the main thing, which is pitching off the mound. Um, and so like, if I'm going to do dry reps, like I'm going to do like a couple dry reps for the feel, right. I'm trying to feel X, Y, Z, and then I'm going to take, you know, a baseball and I'm going to throw it and try to get that same feel. And then we can go back at the end of the day 
or mid-session, however you like to work on stuff. And we can look at the differences and be like, okay, like here was when it felt really good without the baseball and here's with the baseball. Like what did we get better at in terms of matching that? And like, what are the gaps? And you just kind of attack that day after day. But yeah, I mean, I love fields, but you gotta, I think you have to remember to keep the main goal in mind when you're doing them or when you're trying to feel stuff out and then figure out how that field can apply to making you better at throwing a baseball off the mound in a game. You're trying to pitch. So if, if we're doing stuff on flat grounds, that's, that's great. But, but being able to blend it to where we're actually going to be doing the thing in a game and where we actually want the performance to happen is, is a great, a, a great concept to grasp, especially for, for younger guys who, who can start now and, and, and change the way they go about their business. Uh, the last kind of thing I know you touched on earlier in the podcast yeah. that you were talking about becoming a better person. And I, I just want to, you know, see how in your journey, how baseball changed you for the better as a person, but then also how becoming a better person, like throughout that time also change your baseball performance, maybe for the better. That's a great question. Yeah. I think, you know, baseball was like a new avenue for me to figure out like how I could maximize my performance in something like, like it was like, okay, baseball is the first thing where I was like, okay, this is the thing that I want to spend all my energy and my passion on. And let's see like how like good we can get at this thing, you know? And to be able to do that, it, it has forced me to become way more disciplined than I was before. Um, being able to actually like goal set and commit to goal setting and to create the routines and the habits and, and the things like that, that come with it to be able to actually achieve a goal. Um, like from where I, I just laugh at like from where I was coming out of high school and going to my school and now like what I'm doing now just in life, um, has been a huge pivot and doing really fun, cool things that I never thought that I'd be able to do. But, but I, I'm able to do those things because I, because through baseball, I started making these huge at what a lot of people thought were unattainable goals, but I just became really good at like creating plans to achieve those goals. And that's kind of where the Kaizen philosophy came in for me. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember where I saw it, um, but basically the, the, the Kaizen philosophy is, is the concept of uh, continuous improvement and that like really, really small improvements every day really add up where you might not notice it day to day, but you look back a year from now and, you're, and you can really see how far you've come. And so when I made the decision to want to be really good at baseball, like it was, it was Kaizen every day for me where every day was gamified where everything I did, you know, was, you know, how can I, how can this make me a better baseball player? You know, whether it's waking up at a certain time, going to bed, um, eating breakfast, uh, stretching while I'm doing nothing, watching TV or like working on, you know, like really everything was like either it got me better or it didn't. And everything I did during the day, I was making that decision to the best of my ability, you know, with still, while still being a human, I wasn't a robot. Um, but like that, adopting that philosophy made it feel like everything that I did in life mattered. And that was it. Like when, when, when everything mattered, like a switch flipped and I, I felt like I just had this way bigger perspective on like, okay, we can apply this to anything, whether it's, it's baseball, whether it's, uh, relationships with, with your friends or with significant others or with family, uh, whether it's your professional career in work, uh, or, or if it's just, you know, taking care of yourself. Like, um, I've really tried to adopt this, this Kaizen philosophy in, in really everything I do because it does make everything matter. And I think, you know, I'd rather have everything in my life matter than, than have nothing matter. Um, it just makes, it just makes it for a more like meaningful, impactful day-to-day -day life for me. Um, and that's where I think baseball was like that first Avenue that like introduced me to that concept. And, and now I'm able to apply that to, to everyday stuff, even conversations, you know, like 
it was alumni weekend at Gustavus. I was able to, you know, talk to current players and stuff like that. And it's like, when you think about that, that five, 10 minute conversation with a kid that, you know, wants to be good, you know, and I'm, it's not that I've figured it out or anything, but like, like I had been good there, you know? And so being able to treat that conversation as like, okay, this really matters, right? Like this could, this could make it click for this person or something like that. That's where, you know, the concept of like becoming a better person, how has that changed my baseball performance where like, I've just tried to pay it forward as much as I can because there's been people that have really paid it forward for me um, in my life and in, in baseball. And I think it's just given me a sense of kind of clarity and calmness and like confidence in myself. And just like that broader perspective of, of like how much of a privilege it is to play the game and how much, and how lucky I am honestly to, to be able to, to make baseball a priority in my life is like such a, such an odd concept to me, but it's, it's a beautiful one. And just having that has, has brought so much like joy to my training and to my playing that like when I'm out there having fun, like, I, I don't know if I've ever gone out there with like that mindset and like failed, you know, the only time I've, I've failed is when I had put pressure on myself or I wasn't having fun. And it like, it was going into it. Like I, I, I almost knew going into it if I was going to do well or not, where, you know, the stuff that I had just gone on a rant for before I would say is what attributed to, to the on-field, you know, success in baseball. I agree. Like when, when you're grateful, um, for, for the small things, whether it's baseball or life, you know, just, it it gives you a little bit more stillness or, or clarity and the performance just seems to flow out of you at that point. I'm going to finish up with just asking you some quick rapid fire questions. Um, so just I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll ask. And then the, whatever comes to your mind quick, just, just give it, give it as an answer. So favorite book. Green lights, Matthew McConaughey. All right. Okay. Uh, favorite memory from baseball and outside of baseball. Favorite memory was, was my no hitter my senior year, just cause there were so many people that helped with that moment that I'd played with for, for four years. Um, so that was my favorite memory in baseball. Um, Outside of baseball, uh, I got engaged in July. It's the best moment of my life. So um, that's my favorite outside of baseball moment. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, have you ever been in flow state and can you describe it? Yes. And the best way to describe it is it's indescribable. Like it's almost like a, it's like, it's like throwing a no hitter. Like you just don't talk about it. You just, just enjoy it. If you ever get into it, don't think about it. Like just let it go for as long as you can and enjoy it. And then when it, when you snap out of it, write everything you did that day before that led you to, to getting into it, because it is the most amazing feeling in the world, whether it's throwing a baseball or in work or whatever, like when you get into a flow state and it's, it's like that no mind aspect, it, it's the best feeling. And so if you get it, cherish it enjoy it as long as you can. And then when you leave it, write down what you did to get into it. What is something uncomfortable that you want to start doing in order to grow? Okay. One, like a physical thing is I've been, I've been trying to put some weight on and something that's uncomfortable is, uh, like eating like more than, than your body wants to. And I've always had I've had this problem and I'll, I'll like try to like justify why I'm not going to eat more than what my body wants. And that kind of leads to the overlying issue. Right. And that's the concept of like making deals with myself to get out of doing things. That's something that makes me uncomfortable is when I get into something that is hard or, or, you know, it's easy to make an excuse to not do that day, whether I don't want to do it or something like that. It's, it's to stop making deals with myself to justify not doing the things that I should. Most valued non-material possession. 
I'd say family and friends, but I don't know if that's material or not. But um, if it's not that, I'd say like my faith overall, like just having faith in, in, in something bigger than me. Okay. Um, something you often forget you're grateful for that might be fam- the family comes in, but I don't know what, you know, whatever. family, friends, um, my health, honestly, just my overall health. Like if I ever get sick or anything like that, I, I become such a baby and I, I become so, so grateful for, for when I do feel good. And so that I just try to do everything I can to, to feel yep. good. Uh, Last one, advice to your five-year-old self. Advice to my five-year-old self. Oh, man. I know it's rapid fire, but that's a that's a really good question. Um, advice to my five-year-old self, just, just have fun working as hard as you can. Like, find something that you have fun working hard in and, and see it to the end and see what happens but but yeah just have fun working hard as working as hard as you can yeah that's all i got uh i just want you know this time to be you telling not only um my followers but people who are listening to the podcast where they can find you you know on instagram or wherever yeah on instagram uh my my pitching one is kaizen pitching and my personal is just my name weston lombard um and then they should follow the Mustard app while they're at it. Um, it's a company I work for. We're trying to democratize elite player development. And, and I mean, you talk about, you know, how can you get better with less resources? Like if I had the Mustard app when I was a kid, that would have been amazing. Um, and that's that's what we're trying to, trying to solve is, you know, be able to make the stuff that the elite players have more accessible for people that, you know, either aren't in places to be able to do it or can't afford it and stuff like that. So... Yeah, check out the mustard app. All right. Well, if if you guys have any comments, concerns, questions, email us at primalbaseball at gmail.com, P-R-I-M-A-L-B-S-B-L at gmail.com, and DM us if you have any questions. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, email or DM us. And if you have any suggestions on who we should have on the podcast, email or, or DM us. So that's all we got for today. Thank you, Weston, for coming on. And and uh, see you guys next episode.